Welcome to the Marcus Oldham College Ag Talk podcast. This series of podcasts focuses on the business management of Australian farms. G'day, my name is David Cornish. I am the director for the Centre for the Study of Agribusiness at Marcus Oldham College, an independent tertiary institution that has been producing the next generation of Australian farm managers for over 50 years. The focus of the podcast is to look at the question of what makes a farmer successful. Is it just luck or do good farmers make their own luck through hard work and utilising good business decision-making processes? I hope you enjoy the discussion. The issue of leadership is an ever-increasing topic of discussion around the world, especially in these times of COVID. You often hear someone say, all we need is better leadership and we wouldn't be in this situation. But what is leadership? It's a question that has interested me for a long time. Many years ago, I was fortunate enough to be a participant in the Australian Rural Leadership Course. We were given several books to read, most of which I've long forgotten about except for one in particular. That book was called The Leadership Challenge, written by Jim Cousis and Barry Posner. What stood out for me about this book was that it was evidence-based and broke the concept of leadership down into tangible parts that frankly, just made sense to a boy from the bush. So today I want to introduce you to the Leadership Challenge, as I believe it is a key resource in this area and one we use here at the college in our leadership courses. To guide us through, we are lucky to have Debbie Nickel online, who is Managing Director of Business in Motion, a company based out of Dubai. Debbie is a certified master facilitator in the delivery of the Leadership Challenge content and has had over 28 years of experience in international human resource, organisation development and strategic change management. G'day, Debbie. How are you going? Oh, I'm really good. Glad to see you again. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So before we deep dive into the topic, I think it'd be really interesting for the audience. What's it like in Dubai at the moment and what's happening in your world with regards to COVID? <laughs> well, I mean, the entire globe has been turned upside down and, and we're no exception. So I just want to say hi to your audience, first of all. And yes, I spend, well, I used to spend some of my time in Australia and some of my time in, in um, Dubai. I've been based over here for 25 years now. You know, I think what's happened here is incredible example of leadership. We hit a struggle like the rest of the world. We jumped into action from the very, very beginning. We went straight down, straight into lockdown. And like everyone, that was pretty tough. But everyone understood from that what had to be done. And within probably six weeks after that, the leadership decided, you know what, we're not going to let this stop us. Nothing stops us here in Dubai. <laughs> so we basically have all committed to wearing masks, getting out there, getting the economy going. And we've got a whole new norm now. And that is the world is operating fully for us, except we just are masked individuals now. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we've just, we hit the challenge, we met it, we did something about it. Look, we're, we're still on about 200 every day, and that might sound a lot, but for us, we used to be on 1,000 or 2,000 every yep. day for a very small country. This is, these 200s, we've got a few demographics, demographical reasons why. So, for example, we have a lot of uh, there's a demographic where they're the people who build our city and put incredible work, you know, manual work into yep. building the city. They are housed in very, very 
highly populated accommodation where there might be 10 in a room. And so of course that presents a challenge, yeah? Where if yeah. one if one gets um, COVID, then the entire camp goes down. So yeah, I think we're coping with it very well. We've got countries around us in the GCC who are still battling and struggling. We are helping them as much as we can. But yeah, we're even now starting door-to-door inspections. What do you call it? Testing oh, yes. um, yep. on the spot. So yeah, life for us, our economy went, which is a no-go for Dubai. But as soon as we're out of lockdown, the priority is very clear. Boom. But we have to do it properly. But I mean, I think the interesting taking making it probably personal for you is that your business was of face-to-face meetings, consulting, facilitation, course around around the world. So I would imagine that's changed completely for you. Absolutely. So a, a business in motion is a business consultancy and learning organisation. And therefore, we have three divisions. So we have the learning and development division, which is office, obviously the workshops, etc. We have the coaching division and we have the solutions division. Now, for specifically in the learning and development division, one of the three proprietary products that I work with is the Leadership Challenge. Up until COVID, I had never, ever, ever facilitated TLC in any other way but face-to-face. And our global community just had a conference and I happened to win the Challenge the Process Award. And the exam- one of the examples they cited for that was the second COVID came, I just went, oh my God, because business went to literally nothing. And I just said, I've got to find a way through this. And everybody started talking in Wiley, the publishers of TLC, well, maybe we can look at it for five weeks. And I just went, boom, I've done online learning for years, but always asynchronous. And that is like Moodle, you know, you on a forum and someone comes in an hour later, a week later. But my goodness. And I just went, no, hand up. I'm going to do this. And the global community spent six weeks looking at how we can take the content, what we have to do with the activities. And so now I'm up to my third, the Leadership Challenge Workshop online. I've rolled out an LPI coach training online. And next week I'm doing my first TTT training train the trainer of TLC online. So I am completely and utterly online through Zoom with Fantastic. TLC. Well done. Well done. Because yeah. that, that, that it's a huge move and it's a it's a it's a cultural change really that that we're seeing businesses being able to that are successful being able to do that change. But yeah. Others, you know, if we if we wait for COVID to get over COVID, we might be waiting a while by the looks of things. Well, yeah, and, and interesting you say that because during the lockdown, I had probably my most productive time yeah. because I don't normally get off planes or, you know, off the road. Mm. I'm on always travelling. And what I did was not only this, I also launched a digital business. But on yep. top of that, for Business in Motion, if you go to businessenmotion.com, you will see a brand new product called Pivot. And it's all about how to change on the spot, how yep. to be able to face yep. that challenge and find new ways to get through it. So, yeah, and really that was my leadership challenge. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I walk my talk. And yeah. for me, this was 
this was a challenge and I just grabbed it. Went for it. Mate, so again, going back to obviously focusing a bit on the leadership challenge, I think one of the things that, that has always impressed me firstly was the amount of research that the whole leadership challenge was based on. Yeah. For the audience, you just want to give people a feel how much work has gone into this and that yeah, it's just not yeah. a couple of people down the street they've had a chat to. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're actually honouring the work of Jim and Barry. Jim and Barry started this work unintentionally 35 years ago. And the story goes that Tom Peters, who, always, who was a big management guru back yes. then, these two were junior professors. Tom Peters always had a sidekick when he was doing a conference. He met Jim and Barry per chance and he said, well, I'm looking for my sidekick for the next, you know, conference. Would you like to do it? And they said, yeah, sure. You know, jumping at it, Tom Peters, wow. And he said, okay, I'll be back to you next week. And then as soon as he was gone, Jim and Barry looked at each other and went, oh my God, he's got a model. We don't. He's got a book. We don't. He's got a reputation. We don't. What value can we add? What can we say that will make a difference? And at that stage, they realized that they probably couldn't add anything of value. So they decided to ask one question. So 35 years ago, they asked one question. Please tell us your story of you being at your personal best. And from there, the question evolved into what do we see when people are at their personal best? And they gathered thousands and thousands of stories. So on that day, they got a few hundred stories. And even from those few hundred, Barry, who is the statistician, and he's, he's a research guy, he started seeing some trends coming through and he went into the data. And that was literally the beginning of 35 years of their life work of research. And what continues to amaze even till today, because the research is ongoing, every LPI is bringing data into the data bank. And every story that we ask, like I'm asking people now for stories for edition seven of the Leadership Challenge. And every one of them says, shows the same thing, that the five practices of exemplary leadership are still valid and reliable. And all the, the, beha the behaviors behind the practices are valid and reliable. And the other thing it's shown over the 35 years is that the context of leadership has changed, but the content has never changed from 35 years ago. I suppose the thing is, we're talking millions of people, aren't we? This, is, yep. this, this research database is, yep. is, 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 is quoted in the millions. Yeah. Well, I wish you'd actually asked me that. I would have brought my statistics in. That's all right, mate. But basically not a problem. Um, just to give you some ideas, the data bank is cleared out every second, sorry, every second year to the most recent 2 million. So it's not 2 million in, 2 million out. So the most recent 2 million. I think at the moment there's something like 6.5 million data points in there. We've got 800 academics who have benchmarked their research work against this model. And I think, again, something like, look, thousands of stories, thousands and thousands of stories. So, sorry, I don't have my actual No, mate, as you say, it's just, I think it's really worth letting people know that, as you say, this is just not a man and his dog down the pub that they've gone and had a chat Correct. to. This is Correct. ongoing. And I think what's really interesting is that it's, 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 it's across 
continents, it's across cultures. And so it takes all those indicators into, into consideration so that they can distill down to, okay, what, are, what is the essence of leadership? It's really impact. It's really interesting. You mentioned cultures. I was just reading a research article from Barry, and the summary, or the surmise, or the conclusion is that the free across cultures, the frequency of leadership does vary, but the impact of leadership does not, and that is the basis of all of the research. And that is the more frequently that people demonstrate the five practices and the 30 behaviours, the more effective the leadership is deemed to be by the followers. Well, we better drill down and work out what these five practices are, can we, mate? <laughs> but before we do that, again, the thing that, that I really like is, is, is the fundamentals that the five practices are, are based on. For instance, Leadership is everyone's business. Uh, let, let's start with that one because I think it's such a powerful message in that, mm. that yeah. too often I see leadership courses talk about Nelson Mandela or Churchill or someone like some, yeah. some amazing person who did amazing things given the evidence that. But yeah. what I really love about their work is that they get normal people, if I can call normal people, doing extraordinary things. Absolutely. And that's one of the marketing lines that we use. It's ordinary people achieving extraordinary things. And mm. whether I speak about my grandmother who brought up nine children in the days of the bush rangers in the middle of the bush by herself while her husband went out for weeks on end, you know, out on the horses. My grandmother was an ordinary person achieving extraordinary yeah. things. Mm. Um, whether you talk about you know, the range, the full gamut up to the Nelson Mandela's. Yeah. But we, and one of the things that Jim and Barry really are proud of is they have not specifically targeted only CEOs, only these big leaders as such. They are working with the everyday person. And it's true. You don't need a title. You don't need wealth. You don't need anything that says, I'm different. No, what you need is the desire to step out into the unknown. And what gives you that desire, that drive, is when something is unacceptable to you. And this is why when, sorry, sorry I'm going into the first practice and I'll stop. That's all right. That leadership is everyone's business is the foundation, the fundamental. It, and, and maybe it's good for your listeners to just recap right now before we drill down further. The methodology of the Leadership Challenge consists of four elements. So you've got the five practices. Each practice has six behaviours. Then each practice has two commitments, what I must do for myself, because remember, you can't lead others until you can lead yourself. So that's commitment one. And commitment to what I must do for others. And then if you wrap all of those three into like a cocoon, that's where your fundamentals come around. And yeah. that's the eight fundamentals yeah. of which leadership is everyone's business. So age, race, sex, experience, it's got nothing to do with it. So again, I suppose it begs the question, are leaders born or made? 
<laughs> Love that question. How many times do you ask that question yourself in your role, Dave? Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I, I always, I can never answer that question anymore without quoting Jim. He instantly just bounces back and says, well, I've never seen a leader who wasn't born. And you think, okay, <laughs> what's he doing there? So yeah. are leaders born or made? And it really isn't about whether, while leadership is a learnable, teachable and measurable skill, he prefers that we really focus on, it's a choice between what you do with what you have. We all have something and you choose to use it to proactively find the best, to milk it using a farm analogy. You know, what are you choosing to do with what you have? If we all had exactly the same thing, it'd be a boring world. So thankfully, we all have something different. Now, are you sitting on it or are you maximising it? So it's a, it's a deliberate, uh, deliberate choice or aspiration if, if, you, if you want to go down that, that road. And another, another fundamental is leadership is a deliberate practice. Yeah. And we speak about the number of hours it takes to change a skill because leadership is learnable, teachable and measurable. And it comes down to, are you practising leadership when you go from the high to the low numbers? If you practised at 2.8 hours a day, every day for 10 years, you would probably reach the mastery level. But how many of us are going to devote two hours a day, every day, with deliberate practice, with deliberate behaviours and with deliberate frequencies? It doesn't happen. I suppose if I want to be a good footy player, a good golf player or good anything, I've got to, I want to play with the best. It's two hours a day is nothing really. My, yeah. my daughter's swimming at the moment. She spends two hours every day swimming, you know. Exactly. And when you look at it like that, you take leadership out, and you referred to this before, out of this untouchable, unreachable concept that's only for a chosen few, and you bring it down to this is everybody's job. And again, I think that's really important because, you know, we shouldn't leave it up to someone else. It's not someone else's job to be a leader. It's something that we can all aspire to. And surely in a business too, if we can create a culture where we're motivating everyone to, to look at leadership as something that they can do, surely that would lead to a better company. And what you've said, I want to draw in COVID right now. How sad is it? that some individuals are choosing not to make leadership everyone's business, their own business at the moment. Well, I'm going to go to the pub and sit with thousands in a pub. I'm not going to socially distance. I'm going to let everyone else do that. Yep. So when you start looking at what leadership is, and especially the definition from Jim and Barry, you really talk about this, this responsibility taking that first step because it's important, not only for you, but it's important for others around. And this is where I struggle at the moment, where I see people who choose to have one rule for me and one rule for others. So does that mean that a foundational practice was not nurtured first? They're into the doing or not doing, rather than understanding that there's got to be trust between everyone we serve. And right now, if we don't serve 
each other, then we're all going to suffer. We're all going to have a bubonic plague and drop off the face of the earth. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. 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 So I suppose we better define this thing called leadership, Deb, because it sounds pretty important. How mm. would you define leadership in your, in your words? Okay. My words or the words of Jim and Barry? Whatever you like. Well, yeah. let's do, yeah, okay. Let's look at Jim and Barry and then tell me yeah. how you, you add to it. Yeah. Well, I think I've just brought my priorities in through that COVID example. Yeah. And, and why I can say that is because I live and breathe Jim and Barry's definitions. So Jim and Barry, from all of the stories, everything was distilled. This definition came into being. Leadership is the art of... So I'll just bring it down. Come and back to those words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So leadership is the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle for shared aspirations. And there are key words. Yeah. yeah so let's look at the key words here. The first one is obviously the art. Yeah. And that means leadership depends on an emotional connection. It is not a science that says logic, mm. that says it's all mental. It's about emotion. How do I feel about people not towing the line with COVID? Mm. How do I feel that there is pollution in my local neighbourhood? How do I feel when I see a child bullied at school? Because I have a value of respect and equality I cannot accept that children are being marginalised because they're different. And one, another one of my um, uh, values, for example, is uh, commonality, sharedness. So, you know, being different to me, it's so unfair. So it's an art. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. where we get the energy from. So leadership is the art of mobilising others mobilizing bringing others not because you've got a big stick and you say whammo i'm going to hit you on the head if you don't do you've it you've seen me le doing leadership have you deb <laughs> so it's you know it's a lot harder to inspire than to command and so when we're talking about mobilizing others we want them to willingly follow so and this is where you see in organizations some people say yes 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 we'll do that but the minute the manager's out on the golf course, they stop because they don't believe. They haven't been moved internally. They haven't been moved because they have decided that there's something in it for them to go to that vision. Yeah, and I think that's important, that, that, that word mobilise, because it's not just, oh, I think what Deb's saying is good. Yeah, I feel good about it. Yeah, we, we, should, we should do something about that at some stage. It's actually me getting off my rear end and actually doing something and i think well, that's really critical yeah well management is about maintaining the safety the security keeping things the same leadership is about change it's about development it's about movement so if you're not mobilizing others and those who want to come with you because they remember especially this generation they want to know there's something in it for them so they're not yep. going to mobilise just because you say you have to. They want to do it because they want to. Yep. And therefore, the art of mobilising others to want, because they're passionate about where you're taking them, to yep. want to struggle. Because these guys understand that 
you know, it's almost like, wow, there's a big mountain, Mount Everest. We want to get to the top, the pinnacle, the top, that's our destination. What does that mean? A new way of selling in an organization. It might be COVID-free world. It might mean farming done technologically or whatever it is Mm. uh, that's at the top. We've never trekked that path before. So I understand it's going to be a struggle. And the analogy I use is it's a very steep mountain. It's very icy. We don't even know if we've got the right equipment. We don't know if my legs can put up with the air pressure or whatever you say when you get to the top. So to want to struggle, we understand no one has the the theory. No one has the formula. We got to create it. We don't even know if we've got the money, the resources, the know-how, the willingness. So it's, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting that word struggle is the one I get a bit of pushback from when I'm talking about the definition to the students. So you sort of see, see that as uncomfortable. Well, in my, my words, change is uncomfortable. You know, we, we've got to get from A to B and sometimes that will be uncomfortable, but, but there's, a, there's, there's a goal, there's a mission, there's a, there's a vision of where we want to be and, and therefore I'm prepared to put up with that struggle. Yeah, you know, the domain of leaders is change. Struggle, every personal best story came through struggle. Yeah. Even me, myself, my personal best, I was nearly off the face of the earth. I was on my way out because I had lost myself and it was a struggle to come back. How many times do I tell the story? Frequently. Yeah. When you're on the dinner table at a dinner party, which are the stories that grab your attention more? Those are the thing. Those are those stories about the things that we reached easily, or those stories that you think, "Oh my God, he knocked. He got knocked down again, but he got up. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. So, no, um, no, it's interesting. So yeah. again, I suppose just just moving on, we've got a definition of, of that. We've talked about the fundamentals. What are these five practices I should be bothered about, mate? Because they seem pretty core to the, the discussion we've already had so far. And why are they important? They're important because they're so simple to understand, especially if someone's going to see the visuals as well. They're simple. They're easy. They're just normal. Do you want me to just say yeah. them now? Do you so want me to just yeah? Let, let, let's go through them. But obviously, again, okay. what we're talking about is 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 model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, and encourage the heart. Now, Ooh, you got it. Uh, yeah. But having said that, so what does that mean? I mean, you know, there's some big words in that, and some people say, oh, you know, David, I'm a farmer, and I'm not interested in that type of stuff. But what I'm interested in with you now is to really clarify why those those five are so important okay and how we can make and bring them to life okay so um model the way that's the first practice model the way is about you knowing who you are allowing others to know who you are the real you and finding commonality between so when you think you're working with someone that you don't know do you think you're going to trust them? Do you, when you're working with someone who's person one on Monday, person two on Tuesday, and he keeps changing with the wind, do you trust them? No. When you find someone has a voice one day where it shows priority X and Y one day, but the next day shows priority A and B the next day, do you trust them? No. 
So modeling the way is about personifying who you are and walking the talk that will allow people to get to know who you are, find commonality with who you are and know that, hey, I trust this guy. So I trust him or her. Yeah, deeds matching words. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, the credibility that is earned when we do what we say we will do yes. is the beginning of what I call the red thread. It's the glue that sticks all of these things together. All of these practices have a red thread and the red thread strengthens with the addition of the next practice and its behaviours. The red thread is about trust and it's about sharedness. So right now, hi, I'm your new leader. So if I'm a new farmhand or I'm a new farmer, I'm the, I've just bought the farm and I walk up to the guys and I say, hi, I'm your new leader. They're not going to trust me just because I've got the title of I own the home loan and the farm loan. I've got to earn their trust. And the first thing we want to see as human beings is we know the person, we understand and appreciate who he is, even if he's different, doesn't matter, we know him. He's authentically who he says he is, he's consistently who he says he is, we know where we stand and we find commonality. So it's not like I'm a Martian and he's a human, at least we're all humans and we have some commonality. Sort of goes back to one of those things about you know when you're talking when you, when you're talking about that it reminds me that you know the fundamentals that, that leadership is a relationship and unless I have that relationship with my 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 employers or employees then then leadership isn't going to happen. Absolutely, and it's a relationship between the one who chooses to lead and the ones who aspire to follow. So you can't get that coming togetherness unless there's trust. And this is where you go back to the fundamental of leadership is everyone's business. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. everyone has to trust others, be trusted themselves and be trusting. But you've got to earn trust. What about the concept of, of uh, fake it till you make it? I mean, would that, would that fly in the face of what we've just talked about there? Fake it till you make it, as I understand it, means just don't be authentic. Hmm. People can smell that out, sniff yeah. that out. You know, I always say that people are watching you at, at, from any angle. Don't think you can scratch your bottom and people won't see it. Because yeah. the human nature is a little bit on that sceptical side. And you can say one thing. If you say green, they're instantly for the next day, week, month or year looking for blue, black and white in you, but yeah. you claim you're green. Yeah. And the minute they find some one little thing that possibly tips you from truth to untruth, from trustworthiness to untrustworthiness, the relationship will break down or it will go into stages of eroding. So what I've found, found helpful about this yeah. is trying to clearly identify what my values are. So if I have a really good understanding of my values, I can see what's driving the core fundamentals of my behaviours. But without understanding my values, I'm sometimes I've got to I've got to understand them before I can understand why I do things. Is that yes. cool? So you're high. You're highlighting dependency. Yeah. Now 
The other thing where dependency comes into this model is the last three practices, enable others to act, sorry, challenge the process, enable others to act and encourage the heart. They're the doing. And yep. so many new leaders come into a new team to instantly get into the doing without the being. So they don't prioritize trust. They want people to think oh, I'm willing to follow this guy because he knows what he's doing. Yep. Well, Technical knowledge is not what relationships are built on. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. There's, you, you had some interesting, uh, I've seen some interesting research on that, isn't it? That, that you know, technical research, you, your technical competency in a leadership role makes up a, a insignificant amount of percentage of why people are good leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. There's um, some incredible research that Jim and Barry have done. And I, I often present that at conferences and the title would be, what drives engagement? Is it who the leader is or how the leader behaves? Mm. And demographically, who the leader is, is his family, his level of experience, his age, his jobs, all that sort of stuff. That yeah. comes in at 0.3%, not even 1% influence yeah. on engagement. Whereas all the other, how the leader behaves, drives 36.9% of that engagement. Yep. Everything else statistically, 37, so that gives you 63%, is all noise. Yep. So that 36% is so, so important and drives home this importance of modelling the way, being a springboard, because if you don't behave in a way that I know who you are, then I don't care where you want to take me, inspiring a shared vision. Yep. I'm not going to come with you to a place that could be high risk, the top of a mountain, if I don't even know I can depend on you, if I don't even know I can trust you. So these people who want to show their technical expertise without or skipping through phase, uh, sorry, practice one and two are missing out because this technical won't get them any kudos, any willing fellowship. So moving on to two, we're talking about inspire a shared vision. Yeah. So basically the, the person, the follower is saying, well, now I know you. Now I am willing to consider where you want to take me. Doesn't mean I'm guaranteed to want to come with you. But we've got some nice commonality in our shared values from Model the Way. And I trust you. And I know this could be a bit new. So draw the picture. Show me where you think world, the world of our business can bring better hope, whether it is creating a vaccine for COVID, whether it is bringing more efficiency through changing the process, the sales process, whatever it is, show me how my world is going to be better. It's going to be more full of hope. It's going to have no values violations. It's going to be efficient. It's going to be effective. Give, give me the picture. And I will decide if I want to put myself into your picture. Tell me the story. Remember the art of emotional yep. connections. Stories yep. connect. So let me hear the story of what your frustration is. Let me hear the story of what, why the frustration will disappear. What's the story of a future without that frustration? And therefore, you're inspiring me to consider your story and your picture to share the picture, put myself in there. That's so it's important. got to be compelling. It's got to draw me in. Not because you tell me 
I've got to do it because I want to go there because I see the hope that you do. And not only do I see it as you do, but I'm probably going to even grow it because I come from a different space so I can make it even more exciting and more of service. Because the important word there is, in my opinion, is shared. There's Absolutely. no point in me trying to impose a vision. If it's not shared, we're not going to get anywhere. And this is why the red thread is so important. Remember I said trust and sharedness? Yeah. It will magnify, it will grow with every practice. Okay. So these two hmm. need to be done in that order. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then the next three, which is really starting the journey up because what does leadership mean? It means to travel, to go, to journey. So the next three are how we journey and they dance with each other. So yeah. they're not in a linear form as such. No. But if you dance without trust, without sharedness, the dance won't work. There'll be no harmony between the footsteps and the music. Okay, my, the, the third, which is my favorite, Challenge the process. I think I should have that tattooed on my, I just love the concept of challenging the process. I've done it all my life, sometimes for good, sometimes for, for bad, but it's something that I love doing. Actually, that's a really good lead in for me because there's four, four key things that we work with for challenge the process. It's all about innovation, taking risks, making mistakes, but no mistake is wrong it's just learning it tells us what to do and what not to do and small wins so when yep. you're walking up a mountain you don't know what equipment you don't know how high your legs can go you don't know yeah you, you have no idea you just have to find new ways you have to take risks because everything is going to be a risk because there is no determined path and that's why leaders change things up look at if you want to bring in a great leader mandela he didn't sit down and just accept that I'm going to be in jail for so long. He built relationships and educated the guys so they got to know him more. Yeah, that's yep. not normal. A prisoner is supposed to sit down, shut up and just waste away. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's taking that step where we have no idea. We tell a story about Melissa Poe, who when she was, I think, six years old and a first grader, she couldn't put up with rubbish in the playground. So she started a little group called Kids Face, uh, Kids for a Clean Environment. And she started with one chapter and four kids, four members. She grew that to going across 33 countries, yeah. 6 million people, because she took the first step. She had no idea where it was going to take. It was a take her. And she had no idea where that step would lead. Mm. So we got to find new ways we each new way is going to be trial and error some of them will work let's keep doing it some of them won't let's not obviously you try and minimize the risk but that's where a lot of organizations really put a wet blanket because they try to minimize the risk so much that they even minimize creativity yeah. and don't forget that even that in itself can be scary for people because many Many farmhands have always been told, this is the only way that you till the soil. Yeah, this is the only way that you harvest the wheat, for example. We've done and it for three generations. That's the way we do it. Yeah, you just mm. become a robot when you're told this is the only way. But leaders to get to a new destination, you have to find new ways. Yep. And because it's scary, it's tiring, 
every time you get something that works, have a little, yay, a little small win. <laughs> I'm, I normally buy myself a Kit Kat when I yeah. buy, when I do something. Oh, you're splurging like now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, the fourth, enable others to act. Mm -hmm. So we're still in these final three, which dance together. I just yep. want to stress we're not going linear, yep. but we have to talk linear. So just hopping back to challenge the process, that I'm going to have two hands going here yeah, now. Good. Challenge the process is where we've got organisational growth happening. So that's where quite often the decisions of the new actions will change policies, will change procedures, things like that. And through that organisational growth, remember an organisation is only as good as the sum of the people. And each person is different. So some of, them, some of them have different skills, some of them have different abilities, some of them have different fears from different backgrounds. So there's going to be, while we're going through and trying new ideas, there's some people who will jump into it, some yeah. people will hold back, some people will never want to do it. So this is where we talk about providing competence, confidence and a collaborative spirit that will bring the people up. And when you look at the icon for enabling others to act, that leader is maintaining his conviction to where he's going by holding on. He doesn't go down to meet the person. He holds tight. He stretches down and pulls them up with him through competence, confidence and collaboration. So it's a juggle of those three that we're trying to say improve performance employees by giving them uh, more challenges, but not in a way that's going to knock them down. But we've sort of trying to got to manage that flow process, don't we? Yeah. Well, the, when you said three, the third one that we haven't mentioned that I'll bring in now is as this dance is going, yeah. this is a marathon, you know, yeah. trekking a mountain, bringing in a whole new um, supply chain process. It's a mountain and it yeah. takes a long time. People get tired, people get sick, people get yeah. worried, people, everything. Yeah. So it's like when I say a marathon, how do people make a marathon? They make it because they've got a bottle of water and every time they get dry, they water themselves. Whether pour over, pour down their gullet, whatever it is, they are watering themselves. So the same thing with leadership, the trip, the trek, the journey is never easy and we water or nourish ourselves and our people with heart. And yeah. heart is encouragement. Heart is recognition. Heart is appreciation, both for individual excellence and for a spirit of community. Because it's interesting you say that. There's a sort of like a, I don't know whether you call it an adage or something, but in agriculture that, you know, the son's asked, how do you know if you've done a good job? And he answers by saying, the old man hasn't got up me. So this whole concept is that in, in agriculture, we don't reward success. We don't, we, don't, we don't say that's a good job done or we slap on the back. But what we do is, is if something goes wrong, well, then, you know, you, you get a kick up the bum. And, it, you know, so that we're not, as you say, encouraging the heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, heart is the water for the marathon. And heart, as we say now, for hardcore farmers... This is going to sound, hmm, a bit woo-woo. Hmm. <laughs> if, if the head of the U.S. Army can say this, then it applies. And that's someone who orders mass killings, for example, yeah. Yeah. then farmers can. Yeah. And that is leadership is an affair of the heart. 
And yep. if you go right back to the definition, leadership is an art. An art is emotional connection. You will never emotionally connect unless you have heart. Yep, yep. No, and again, as I say, I think as you say, that's the one quote that has stayed in all the books, all the uh, editions of the, the Leadership Challenge, that one, isn't it? Um, yeah, that it, one story, it, it goes yeah. right through. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Yeah. Hmm. Deb, thanks for that session. It was uh, really enjoyable. If the audience wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to contact you? Oh, great. Thanks for asking. Well, first thing, they can look at the website, which is Business in Motion. That's E-N Motion, E for Echo, N for Nelly. So businessinmotion.com.au or alternatively, there's a contact us form through that or just email Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E dot Nicol, N-I-C-O-L at businessinmotion.com.au. There's also another version, um, businessemotion.com. That's a global website. But I think the speciality for TLC, you'll find more than enough information on businessemotion.com.au. Fantastic, mate. And as I say, you take care over there. I'm looking forward to catching up when we can. Great. Excellent. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this week's Marcus AgTalk podcast. Please, any feedback on the series would be greatly appreciated. You can either leave a message on this site or email me at cornish at marcusoldham.vic.edu.au. Stay tuned to next week's podcast as we continue to explore farm management from an Australian perspective.